So first things first, mm-hmm. can you tell me who is your favorite Clark sister? <laughs> well, first of all, I love the Clark sister as a collective. I it's, okay. it's mentioned that you love the Clark sisters. My favorite Clark sister, I don't have a favorite. I have a favorite for each of their abilities. Twinkie, she gets down on the, the, the keyboard. Yeah. She's a very, she can go to anybody's, anybody's pitch. Karen, she carries a run. And Jackie, she, she, she shouts the house out. She shouts it down. And I just love the Clark sisters as a collective. So I don't have a select favorite. I have the whole group. And then Miss Denise, of course, she's the ghetto one. So I live by her too. <laughs> so later on, if you want to, you can sing "Is My Living in Living in Vain" or Let's any see. other in any other song you feel like singing "Blessing Us" with. I'll be grateful. Okay, <laughs> All right, but let's get to yeah. it. Welcome to the first episode of Homegrown, the series. I am pleased to introduce Dutch, the CEO of The Rich Auntie, The Look, and Slayed by Dutch. He is a wardrobe technician. And my first question is, I normally hear wardrobe stylist. Why'd you choose technician? Because I feel as though with being a technician, it's more than just styling and putting clothes together. Like, I'm creating a look. So half the times my clients, I'm either one, sewing them into a dress, Two, it's double-sided tape. Three, it might have got made the night before, the day of set or whatever it is that we're doing. Four, I have probably been, I didn't made something out of nothing half the times. So it's like, it's not just me pulling clothes and putting clothes on you. I'm creating a look, I'm creating a moment, I'm creating a fantasy. So with the technician, it's someone that builds from nothing. So technician, you have a a computer tech. So I'm a wardrobe technician. Okay. So what's a typical day like for you? (laughs) <laughs> or is there even a typical day? It, every day is different. Honestly, um, I have days where I completely don't want to do anything that I don't do anything. Thank God. Um, and then I have days where it's like I cram all of my work into one day or two days. And that leads me to the next five days to do my free will. So a typical day with me, if I'm styling, I'm either running from showroom to showroom, running from store to store, calling all my stylist friends, pulling from their kid, um, doing a fitting running back to showrooms to return, pulling again. So it all depends on what the project is. Um, if I'm doing the Rich Auntie or Slayback or The Look, it's me going to the showroom, me going to meet with manufacturers, me pulling product, me shipping, packaging, the post office, all over LA within a short amount of time before the post office closed. So it depends on the day and the project that I'm working on. Sounds like a busy day. It can be. I mean, but when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. So what's the best part about being a wardrobe technician? Um, the different people I meet and then the different events I get to go to and just to see the reactions of people's faces and what they say about the client that I dress. So it's like, I can send a girl out in like a man suit and a lot of people be like, oh my God, you look so good. Like, what is this? Who made this? What is it by? And I'm like, oh, just out of my closet or I got it from my homeboy or whatever the case may be. So it's never me going with, to be intentional, it's me going to surprise and shock people. So it's just always... It's always a good feeling once I get the feedback that I was looking for. What's up? Uh, can you take me back to, well, we don't have to talk about that just yet. Um, during this quarantine, 
as a creative, has that somewhat halted your process? Or how are you staying creative during this pandemic? I think for me, because I'm one of those people, I have, I'm a, a visual person. So with me, being in quarantine, I just get so many ideas at a spark of a hat. And it's like, I have to do it. I have to get it going. I have to see the end, the end result before I put it out. So with that, I did the Rich Auntie face mask. I didn't want to hop on a face mask bandwagon, but I'm like, it's a necessity. Why not? We have to be out. So if you're going to wear a face mask, make sure it's, it's fashionable. Make sure it looks it look cute. So I did the Rich Auntie mask. I went to my manufacturer, got it done. And that day, like, I woke up with everyone, like, okay, I'm going to do a face mask. I didn't know how it was going to come out. I just was like, this mm -hmm. is what I bought the product. I bought the mask, got it to my, um, my tailor guy, he put the rich auntie on there. So it was like, it became a thing and everybody loved it, of course. So I was like, okay, I, I like that. But during quarantine, I've been on a whole bunch of becoming rich and wealthy after quarantine, like very mm -hmm. much. So it's like, after this, I have so many different business moves I want to make and touch on. So I just, I'm waiting on the doors to open. Now, speaking of doors opening, we all know that social media is a free platform for us to show our art show what we're good at show what we love how are you able to during during the quarantine how how important has instagram been to your brand well instagram was important to me before quarantine i love instagram i love social media instagram twitter i pop in facebook every other but instagram for me the fact that it is i have two pages for the look and the rich auntie then i have slay by dutch which is my personal page i think between the two it allows me to get more in in tune with the clientele, what they want, what they're looking for, what it is that I can provide them with now that things need to be up service. So everything now I want to go into more of just being thoughtful of what the client need and not what I want to see them in or what I'll need them in. So it's like I want them to know when you come to Slay by Dolce, come to the look or come to the rich auntie, that we're here to provide a service. But yeah, I want it to be effective where you're spending your money on quality product and it's durable for whatever the case may be. So yeah, I just, I don't know. Quarantine is not really affecting me, so. That's good, because I know a lot of people, if you can tell, I have somewhat of a struggle beard right now. Uh, I won't take my hat off for obvious reasons, but it's not looking that nice. Um, can you take me back to when you first fell in love with fashion? Um, I mean, growing up, I've always been into fashion. I've always been one of those people to be like, oh my God, I like her shoes, or I like her dress, or I like, I just always liked stuff that looked good. And I also grew up, I was, of course, I grew up in Inglewood, south side of Chicago, but I grew up with a bunch of friends that was always like, they needed the new Jordans, they needed the new Rockaway and Fubu and all of that. I liked stuff that looked nice. I didn't really care for the name brand, even though I had that. So it was like, I really wasn't impressed about it. But when it was time for me to go shopping for myself, I was going to the clearance rack and spending $500 on everything that was marked down for $7, $8, whatever the case may be. So I was like, I made my fashion from that. So that was when I started to realize, okay, I like this. This is something, you know, I like to get dressed. Everybody know me as the fly kid or whatever the case may be. And then growing, going into high school was becoming 2008. Rover. <laughs> cool. It's cool. And so going into high school, I went to high school 2006, 2007. So my sophomore year, I spent the summer in the house watching Project Runway because Michael Knight, he's a black guy from Atlanta, and he was like the first mm -hmm. black guy that I seen that looked like me, talked like me, almost the same age as me, young, and he was really putting out great product. And so from there, I really fell in love with him. So I decided to want to be a designer, which mm -hmm. is that South. Um, and then I realized, okay, it was gonna be, it was gonna cost nine hundred ninety thousand dollars to go to school every every year every semester so i don't want to pay sally may i don't want to take a student loan so i just didn't go to school i decided to go 
another route that which led me to New York. And it just became a thing after that. So, but I always wanted to be in fashion. I didn't want to do anything else. Now, I heard a rumor that one of your first clothing brands was Dutch Bag Billions. <laughs> Not a rumor. Now, listen, you know Not a rumor? It's, it's in the streets. I mean, that's how I got the touch. But it was one of my first physical products that I put out. And I didn't know where to start, how to start. But it's something that I started. And people, it was a trash, it was a trash as drawing. But people loved it. <laughs> They loved, they would support me. They was buying the t-shirts, the hoodies and the crewnecks. So it was like, at that point, I knew I had a gift for something, but I didn't know what. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, if I can get people to have me to support me with just a small t-shirt, I can, this can become something else. So with that, I took the name Dutch and just started to develop it and develop this person. Mm -hmm. Now it's Dutch Stoneman. So how would you, uh, how would you describe your personal style? Um, spicy. 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 Real spicy. My personal style is like, it's, it's very, it's, it can be anything depending on the day that how I feel is how I dress. So I can get a full suit and go to Chipotle. I can get them and put on sweats and go to Ruth Chris. Like it, it just does, it depends on how I feel. It doesn't care where I'm going. I just always want to be dressed up and look good. So my personal style is very much. I'll give you a hat, I'll give you sunglasses, I'll give you a bag, I'll give you jewelry, i give you a little crazy shoe, i give you a wild suit. I just give you a wild factor, so it's gonna be, whatever, whatever room I walk into, they're gonna notice me. Okay. I'm not gonna say much, but people are gonna be drawn to me as a person because of the way that I look and how I, like my energy exudes out of me. Like, I don't say much, people just wanna know, who are you, what you do, where you, like, where you going, why are you dressed up? Mm -hmm. I'm not dressed up. So when did you decide to make the move from Chicago to LA? Um, 2000, what was it? 2016. Um, my homegirl, which is a makeup artist, Austin, and my other homegirl, Jasmine, who's a photographer, they one day was like, oh, we're moving to LA. I'm like, okay. I was gonna move to New York. I go back to New York. And which I'm like, let me just go to LA, give it a try. I did like LA. I hated LA for a long time. And it's like, okay, I don't have nothing in Chicago holding me here. Why mm -hmm. not? And plus, within that time, a lot of people that I knew in New York was going to L.A. And people just transitioned from the East Coast to the West Coast. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. I bought a ticket July 1st. No, I bought a ticket June 31st. Flew out July 8th and been here ever since. Is there a big difference between the fashion world from coast to coast? Um, as far as in, in L.A., you have more, more accessibility to TV and movie, um, commercial work. A lot of like big productions. I feel as though on the East Coast, you have more access, access to like magazines and um, different brands because different showrooms are based in New York. So you have more of a, it's big, but it's more editorial than commercial here in LA. And you rather go to commercial route? Now I'd rather go commercial because I feel as though with editorial, it doesn't really pay because it's more of the creative and not mm -hmm. the actuality of it. Because like you can do a Target commercial and make $10,000. Then you can do like a Vogue commercial or campaign and make $2,000, which you would think Vogue is gonna pay you more, but it's more <laughs> of the look that you're doing it for. And then you got Target that's gonna give you this big budget and you're not really doing nothing but putting t-shirts and carnegies on somebody. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's a difference between designing a look for a person, if I'm saying that right, and styling them. 
Is there a difference? Um, well, does the most stylists, business stylists, you don't really design unless you have the creative ability to do so. So it means mm -hmm. design, but if I do want something made, I will go to a seamstress or a tailor that I know personally and tell them, hey, my client needs this for this event. Can we whip this up? I'll get the fabric, I'll get, get you the measurements. And then the designer itself would then create the look. You can sketch it and then tell them, to walk them through what you want. But then as a designer, they make it. But if you do have ability to sketch and sew as a stylist, you one up because therefore you don't need the highest interest most of the time. Now you mentioned your clients. Mm -hmm. How hard was it to develop a loyal clientele? We moved from Chicago to LA. Um, it wasn't really hard. That's when your work had to speak for itself. With my clients, I have two loyal clients in Chicago that hits me religiously, whatever they do. I have Monique Rodriguez from My Yellow Organics. She calls me for all the product, our product shoots for My Yellow Organics, for her personal style and her event style and her TV style. Whatever it is that she's doing, she calls me. If she's in LA, New York, Atlanta, she calls me. And then I have Tink, which is an artist. She calls me for personal style and red carpet, videos, whatever she's doing, she called me. So it's like within the years that I've been working with them, I, my work's, my work legit held my job. Cause at the end of the day, they knew if you go to get to another stylist, which we went and worked with other people and they realized that it wasn't Slave by Dutch, wasn't the wild fact that I was. So they then would be like, okay, Dutch, we need you on this project. What would it take to get you here? What would it take for us to like, how can we make this work? And from then it's just all, you just always say how to just be who you are and loyal to your client. Now, what's your thought process in styling these clients? Is it different per client? I honestly don't think about it. I don't, it's some second nature to me. It sounds like I'm, I don't really care, but it's like, it's, I'm so used to the client that I work for. I know their sizes, I know their shoe size, I know what they like, I know what they don't like, I know what fits them. So it's like, I can get a job and be like, oh Dutch, we need you in Chicago on Friday, today is Thursday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't have to be like, oh my God, like, I know what it is that send me the mood board, send me the budget, send me what it is that you want, and I go from there. So I really don't think too far into it with them, but if it is a new client, I do like to do a consultation. I do like to do a fitting. I do like to sit down and go over what it is that you like, what you don't like, what makes you look good, what makes you, you know, upset if you put it on. So there's just certain things that I do with new clients and my old clients. Now, who's more challenging, the new client or the season, the one that you've been working with for years. New client, because the new client they want to be trusting, but they also still have a little guard up, or they're a little nervous. Because my style, I feel as though I'm not gonna style you in something that I know you can put yourself in, because that defeats the purpose of me working for you. I want to put you in something that I know you probably don't think about, or you wouldn't dare to do, or just something that you probably don't have access to that I do. I want to do that. <laughs> I want you to feel as though you have a service. Because a lot of people style their clients and be like, oh, I just put it in jeans and a t-shirt. You could have did that. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that you have, you have this, this amazing wardrobe rack that's full of goodies and gems for you that you feel as though, like, you trust me. But the new client, um, well, the old client, I could just be like, okay, this is what you're wearing. You're wearing this, you're wearing this. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. And they'd be ready to yeah. go. They trust you. We don't need a fit and we really don't need previous interactions i can just show up the day before the night the, the day of and we knock it out how important is it to you to get these i know in certain publications they'll do best dressed or best accessory how important is that to your brand um it's very it's important but it's not like make or break deal breaker for me it's it's important or it's 
it feels good. I would say it's important. I think it feels good when you do get noticed for, when your client do get noticed or praised for them being best dressed or having on the, the best shoe or the best hair. Because mm-hmm. it's like you did your job and you knew, it probably was hell behind the scenes, but you knew when you put on a carpet or for the premiere that she looked stunning and everybody agrees. And therefore, that outfit or that shoe or that accessory was a moment. It was monumental. And you want to always put your client in that forefront whenever you dress them. Not only the client, but you as well, because they're going to put your name at the bottom of that paragraph, right? The client first off, and then it's me, because it's like, this is my job, so therefore I only want to deliver greatness. But when someone mm-hmm. else I deliver greatness, the client is more like, okay, I'm going to stick with him. I'm going to rock out for him, because this, therefore this is the reward I get for working with him. Can you recall the first time you got one of your celebrities that you style got best dressed? Um, my client, Christina Cooper, she got best dressed for the Daytime Emmy Awards 2017. And that was my first time putting someone on the red carpet such as that. I did BET before. I did VMAs. I did more of the smaller hip-hop carpets, but for me to do the Emmys, I think that was like my Oscar, my Golden Globe. Like, I had a moment myself. Like, we slayed that. We really did. Yeah. Um, she was a black girl. The whole team was black, hair, makeup, m- myself. So that was even more monumental. Like, everybody was stopping her from the time we pulled up to the to the venue, to her getting on the carpet, to her leaving the carpet, to her going to the next event. Everyone was stopping. Oh, my God, this dress, this hair, your skin. And so we posted the picture, and it went viral, of course. Mm-hmm. And the accolades, and we got written up, like, 10 times a different um, fashion write-ups. Fashion Mom Daily posted it. Um... I think it was on Vogue, it was on AL, it was on a couple big major outlets. So that was really like, okay, I did my job. Like me moving to LA and that was my first red carpet, I felt as I accomplished something. And I felt as I had a reason to be in LA. Like that was my purpose there. Do you have two dream clients that you want to style? Yeah, so my dream client would be Pharrell Williams or Rocky, ASAP Rocky, because I feel as though with men, a lot of men are scared to push them in love, but a lot of men are scared to do a bold piece, and it's not even about being t- titled or just being uncomfortable. You have to be comfortable with yourself before you do anything. And so a lot of guys, themselves. Mm-hmm. So I feel as though with those two guys, they're very like one with the earth, one with you know themselves, very intact in touch. Um, as far as women, it would be Willow Smith and Lupita Nyong'o. But I feel as though with them two, they're very much in their own lane. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They fit their own status quo, and I love somebody that can that I can take and be, that, that I can take and I can make them my canvas and I can create what I want to create without them having this structure or how they should look or what they're used to. They're just open to everything. So it makes my job easier. Kanye did an interview with GQ recently where he talked about how when we're born, we put into boxes. Mm-hmm. Being a wardrobe technician, how do you persuade your clients to get out of that box? Um, I just tell them personally, just off of me, if I'm, if I'm styling you, I want to have full creative control. I want to be able to put you in something that I know you normally wouldn't wear. Because at the end of the day, you hire me because of my better judgment in fashion. Mm-hmm. Therefore, let me do my job. And I, I'm always open to have a client to say, oh, I'm not feeling this. Or maybe we can try this or maybe we can try that. I'm always open for, for their opinion and suggestions. Because I don't want to feel like I'm forcing you, but I want you to be comfortable when I do put you into something that you're not used to. So if you do say, oh, my God, these shoes are too high. Okay, let's switch it out. Let's get something else. Oh, my God, this belt is too tight. Okay, let's loosen it up. I don't want to ever have you look for us because it's going to show and it's going to read on pictures. So we have 
Again, everybody, I'm talking to Dutch, the wardrobe technician. Uh, I believe he's rocking a Rich Unti t-shirt right now. There you go. So we have we have the Rich Unti, we have Slayed by Dutch, and the look. What is the difference? Well, the Rich Unti is more of a, it started off as just a quote, the Rich Unti, because I always tell people, like, I don't have any kids. I'm not bringing kids with me. I'm not going to be with nobody's kids. Mm -hmm. I'll show up. I bring the best gifts, you know. I make everybody a good time, make sure everybody have a good time. And that's that. But I really looked into it. I feel as though being rich, not just in financial stability, but more in a mindset, more in your purpose, more in your, your health, your, your mental. Like, be rich in everything that you do in life. So, therefore, being the rich auntie, that's for anybody. Mm -hmm. So, if you have that mindset that you're rich in, in your faith, you're rich in your, in your word, you're rich in your, your everyday monumental things, whatever it is that you do to make you feel good, be rich in it and live by that. So therefore, be the rich auntie. All right. Hey, my Dutch is the house of my style and me as a wardrobe stylist technician. And that's basically everything that I do for clients, music videos, commercial, brands, just anything that I style personally is what Slay by Dutch is. And then the look is my online boutique, e-boutique, which you can shop the look, this lovely hat. You can shop the Rich Auntie on the look. You can shop all our fall, spring, summer collections. Yeah. So you got to have different entities in everything that you do. Good. The fashion world, you'll run into a lot of interesting people. You mentioned Willow, Lupita, Pharrell, and ASAP Rocky. All different personalities. Yeah. So how do you decide which celebrities you want to work with and maybe some celebrities you may not? Um, I just look at how their presence is on social media, how they are in real life, how they are with other people that they worked with, such as their previous glam. I feel as if you go through certain multiple wardrobe stylists, multiple hairstylists, and makeup artists that it's not always the glam. It might be you as the celebrity. And mm -hmm. I know how I can get, so I try not to put myself in those situations. So if I get a red flag right away, I'd be like, okay, I can't do this. Okay. And then I see okay. that several stylists is gonna be like, okay well i'm just a stylist so it's just a gig let me get my check and go and not that you're looking to build a a, a partnership or a long-term thing and i look for longevity with anybody i work with and not just for the moment now does it matter having a diverse portfolio in the fashion world when it comes to more of commercial work and more like um e-commerce and stuff like that i think having a diverse portfolio makes sense because you're gonna work with a lot of different models and all models are not just gonna be black or of color. You're gonna work with Asians and Hispanics and Italians and Russians. You're gonna work with all kinds of people. So it's like, if they can see that you can do that, especially for hair and makeup, it makes sense because you can do different kinds of texture of hair and different kinds of skin. With wardrobe, mm, it might just make Okay. Yeah. Who inspires you in the fashion world? There's not many, but. I do love June Ambrose. She's like my all-time go-to. She's the mother, the mother of all mothers of the fashion industry. Um, La Roche, which is one of my good homies. Um, I really admire his work and his ability and how he came about. And I love Iris Afil. She's like the world renowned. She used to be an interior designer, but then she became this fashion icon over many years. And she's 98 years old. She wear all this jewelry and all these big, oversized accessories. So I mm -hmm. love that she gets up every day at the age of 98 and she still put all her glam on, she still get done up. 
and she still go out. And no no matter where she goes, she's done up. And this is like, that's what I aspire to be when I get to her point. She's like a rich auntie. She's very, she's the opinion of the rich auntie. She is the rich she's auntie. The, she is three. She's the rich great auntie. Iris of Phil is the rich great auntie. Have you got a chance to style any of your uh, idols? No, I met June Ambrose in the bank before, and I ran into her fashion week a few times. And then Law, I worked under him with a few clients that he put me put me in tune with. And then Iris, I feel she just she's nowhere to be found. She just <laughs> I hope to run into her like fashion week or some someplace one day. Okay. Um, what's next? Um, hopefully off of quarantine on May fifteenth. <laughs> Okay. What's next for me? Um, I have the Rich Auntie Sangria coming out soon. Oh. I have the Rich Auntie Spring Summer dropping soon. Um, I want to get into producing my own personal hat. So look out for that. And just, you know, more businesses, more branding, more marketing, more outreach, more conversations. And hopefully at the quarantine, we have, you know, a pool of new creatives and new ideas to flourish. Speaking of creatives, I uh, searched on your Instagram and I see that you're a big fan of brunch. <laughs> what is what is the brunch scene like in LA? The brunch scene in LA, it's cute in the sense of it's nice out, so it's always brunch. You can brunch Monday through Monday, so it's like well, most places you brunch Sunday and month, Saturday and Sunday. But in LA, you can go to brunch at twelve noon on Tuesday and get drunk and do it. <laughs> And it's, it's a vibe. Um, I love, I like LA brunch, but I love the East Coast brunch. Atlanta, DC, New York, Philly mm -hmm. has brunch like scene ever. It's more culture that is just more of a live place to be. Chicago have a good brunch scene too, but LA, Atlanta, DC, top. Top. What do you normally get? Is there a lot of eating or more drinking? Honestly, I probably order something and nibble on it, but I'm there for the bottomless mimosas, I'm there for the shots. That's I'm there right. for all my friends, take pictures, videos. I'm there for that. My outfit, I don't really eat at brunch. I might eat before I go to brunch. So therefore, when I get there, I can be, be full off the food and then I can drink. So. Yeah, I go for the food. <laughs> for the food. It has the same food. There's not really a wow factor that you're getting something amazing. You're getting chicken waffles. You can only make chicken and waffles the same way. You're getting chicken okay. Eggs, but it's all the same. So it's like I really don't care for that. Until we get the rich auntie sangria, and then it'll be a, a thing. Sangria at the brunch is going to be. Oh, the rich auntie brunch um, tour is coming up too. Really? Can, can you disclose the dates for me? Or well, now everything's been stalled due to coronavirus. But once we have some leeway, I then have some dates. But I do want to do um, Chicago, of course, which is home. Kick it off there. Mm. D.C., Atlanta, probably Houston and L.A. Okay. So then okay. we have product, Rich Auntie, Sangria. Everything would be the Rich Auntie there. Might give out some money, might give out a couple um, couple bonuses, you know. What about Rich Auntie uh, Mask during quarantine? Oh, very much the Rich Auntie Mask. Everybody's going to have to have a Rich Auntie Mask to be at the brunch. Everything is a marketing strategy. Okay. So they said we can't go out or go into certain places without a mask on. Here's your rich auntie mask. Why not look stylish when you do go out to the grocery store? Exactly. Okay. Well, I appreciate you. 
uh, I said at the top of this interview that if you wanted to sing one of your favorite Clark Sisters songs, now is your chance. You don't have to. It's no pressure. It's no pressure. Ooh, I don't think y'all ready for that. This will have to be in a later day at a concert. A later day? Catch Dutch at the Rich Auntie Brunch, and he will be singing live karaoke. The Clark Sisters is my living in vain. Say it again. So the Clark Sisters and Anita Baker will be in a queue at anywhere I go, any function I have. There will be no okay. Anita Baker. Do you have any favorite Anita songs? Giving you the best that I got. You bring me joy. Body and soul. No more tears. I apologize. Listen, it can go on. Okay. Give <laughs> okay. Okay. So for the sake of time, I want to say thank you, Dutch. Thank you. Um, I'm wishing you more success, and I appreciate you being stopping by Homegrown the series. Peace out, Girl Scout. <laughs> All right.